Well, friends, welcome back to the podcast. I don't know about you, but I have get-to books in my life, the ones that I just get to pick up and I look forward to reading, probably uh, outside next to my fire pit or probably on the weekend, curled up next to the wood stove. And then I have half-to books that I feel like I I have to be reading on these topics if I'm going to be in the leadership space. And I was given a get-to book by Ruth Haley Barton called Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest from Sabbath to Sabbatical and Back Again. And I'm telling you, this one was a gift to my soul. I could be honest with this. I probably underlined a third of the book. I wrote other thoughts and questions because we work in a sabbatical coaching space and there was so much gold in here for me as a person, but also that just really helped me understand why this thing called sabbatical is so stinking powerful. I actually get to be a sabbatical coach. Some of you out there, I've had the opportunity to walk through this beautiful and disorienting journey um, that is called sabbatical. But she also talks about Sabbath. Now, Ruth Haley Barton has written books. You've probably heard of some of them, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, Pursuing God's Will Together, Sacred Rhythms. I mean, she is a serial writer. She's been a spiritual director for over 20 years, and she leads something called the Transforming Center in the Chicago area. And I've watched Ruth for a long time, admired her work, loved reading her book, and I love getting the chance to interview her here. And we'll actually talk about Sabbath first, and you'll find I'm kind of tripping between those two words, sabbatical and Sabbath. Um, But Sabbath, just talking about a day of the week that we get to cease striving, we actually get to cease, and she talks about that word versus just rest. Um, and sabbatical being an extended and intentional period of time to cease from our regular work. Both of those are crucial. She talks about sabbatical here some. We're going to continue to talk about sabbatical. But really, I, I hear this a lot of how in the world could I Sabbath? Where do I start? What are some simple ideas? And she gives a really good foundation for that. At Stay Forth, we are at the intersection of the spiritual and the practical. And what I find is people are starved for the practical. How do I actually take a Sabbath? What does it look like to receive weekly a a Sabbath and then eventually a sabbatical? How do I plan? How do I prepare? All these things are crucial. She really comes from the other side of why is this in the heart of God? And then she actually, in this book, talks about her own story, her own exhaustion during COVID, what the context of her life was, what led up to that. And this is a great conversation. I'll tell you this, she did not enter her sabbatical on ideal situations. The uh, her, her ailing parents, eventually the death of her parents, leading an organization that was having its struggles, had had to kind of shut down and go dormant during COVID, like many of our organizations had to adjust big time. And she was tired. And she talks about that and unpacks it personally in this book. I highly recommend the book. Again, it's Ruth Haley Barton, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest. We're talking about her book today, and I was challenged and encouraged by this conversation. I love the book. I highly recommend it, and it's so close to our heart here at Stay Forth. Hope you enjoy this conversation, but more than that, I really want to challenge you with what is holding you back from truly practicing Sabbath. This is a gift from God. This is a gift we receive, not something that we take. We don't steal this back from God. He's given it to us in his kindness. And she talks in this interview about the kindness of God, how that's related to our identity before our impact, and how Sabbath ultimately helps us find ourselves again in Christ. Enjoy this conversation with Ruth Haley Barton. 
Welcome to the podcast, Ruth. It is a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. I um, inhaled your book, and we're talking about that today, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest. Um, fascinating how much I was underlining, and it aligns with our work here at Stay Forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're actually going to be talking a lot about sabbatical here as, as we prepare, uh, mm-hmm. prepare for, I believe, another big sabbatical season um, mm-hmm. that we're in the midst of. But yeah. uh, let's just dive right into us. Um, tell us the story behind your sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting is that the sabbatical story is the story behind the whole book because I was granted my first sabbatical and then a second one. And that's what I wanted to write about. When I pitched this book to the publisher, it was going to be a book about sabbatical. And then they said, well, you know, sabbatical is kind of a niche audience. So would you be willing to do some stuff on Sabbath too? And I had already written um, a chapter on Sabbath, both in Sacred Rhythms and Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, two earlier books. And so I was like, oh, I don't even know if I have, you know, much more to say about Sabbath. Am I going to be able to find more to say? (laughs) but it turned out that I did find more to say. And um, then, you know, the sabbatical part, though, was the was the part that really drove this book into being. And it was the original passion that caused me to write at all mm. about these subjects. Um, so that's from the publishing standpoint. Um, but from a personal standpoint, I, um, I founded the Transforming Center 20 years ago, and we didn't have sabbatical sort of baked into our uh, process and policies here. Um, but I, I got to a point, you know, when I really did need a sabbatical and it came after, um, a time of financial crisis here in the transforming center, but also after caring for both of my parents during their illness and eventual deaths. And so both on a personal level and on a ministry leadership level, um, I was just toast and, um, it was COVID had begun. And so, um, we actually saw that we were going to have to go dormant as an organization as well, that we were going to have to stop doing our core offering, which is uh, retreats and especially our 27 month um, transforming community experience. And so we saw the window out there and we, we thought we're going to grab it. So we didn't have as much time. I just want to be honest about this with you. We didn't have as much time for planning as would be ideal. I mean, I really do think that sabbaticals need to be planned for, but because what I needed was so simple in some ways and because COVID was limiting people from traveling or anything like that, we just saw it, we grabbed it, and I did a simple proposal um, that just came straight out of my heart and my desire and my need, and our board embraced it, and um, that was the occasion in which they actually codified a statement, you know, a policy within our own um, practices here and off I went. So I'm sure that you would suggest that somebody do a whole lot more planning than I did, but, um, that's how it happened for me. And I, I, and I took it as the gift that it was. I really appreciate that. I think I'd even shaped just the honesty and candor of the book. Um, what we say is in an ideal situation. Well, that was not an ideal situation in your life, uh, in the life of the transforming (laughs) center and in our world. So, um, I just, I never want to be um, the sabbatical police or mm-hmm. seeing the sabbatical Pharisees, right. Running yeah. counter to exactly what we're talking about. So mm-hmm. uh, I didn't feel that at all. I felt like yeah. it, it was very helpful at the beginning of the book. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that there's a lot of limiting beliefs around sabbatical. We could talk for hours uh, mm-hmm. about that, but, um, I just wanted to crack open the book page 10. You say this Sabbath is one of God's greatest gifts to us in our humanity, right up there with salvation through Christ. It's a gift that is both beautiful and functional 
luxurious and essential all at the same time. And every time you open it, it feels brand new. Talk mm-hmm. about sabbatical as a gift. Tell me more. Sabbath. Sabbath. Sabbath is a gift. Sorry. Sabbath, sorry. I'm yes. distracted. Talk about Sabbath yes. as a gift. Yes. We uh, will get to sabbatical. Um, and, you know, the beautiful thing that I discovered in my sabbatical was that all of my practice of Sabbath actually prepared me for sabbatical in terms of knowing what was supposed to be included, what was supposed to be excluded, knowing the inner dynamics, the, you know, even the challenges uh, to us driven sort of people um, to actually unplug. I was really grateful for sabbatical as the sort of foundation and underpinning of my then moving into Mm, sabbatical. But yes, um, so Sabbath, um, you know, it is one of the Ten Commandments, but it preceded the Ten Commandments. And in my own life as a person in ministry, um, I'm a pastor's kid. And so I had experienced Sabbath keeping as a very legalistic thing in my young life. So I didn't have much use for it. I kind of kicked it to the curb um, in the early part of my ministry life until I got so tired that I really couldn't ignore it anymore. And I and I began to realize, oh, there's something in this for me. I need this. I want this. Um, and sometimes you have to work yourself, you know, t- into that place before you realize this is God's gift. It's God's gift to me. And whatever I experienced back there, I'm going to redeem it because mm-hmm. I need this. This is God's gift to me in my toasty little state. Sure. <laughs> you know? Do you think everybody has to work their way into it? Well, hopefully you won't. I mean, if if you receive it as God's gift from the very beginning, maybe you won't. But I, 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 and so of course the idea with putting out a book like this would be that people would establish a Sabbath practice from the get-go and that that would become a part of the DNA of churches and ministry organizations is that the pastor and everybody else practices Sabbath keeping. Um, but I wasn't in those environments at the time, so I had to come to the end of myself. And you know, I don't know if everybody is as driven as I was at that stage. I mean, I tend to be um, a driven sort of type A personality. And so maybe that type of personality has to come to the end of themselves Mm -hmm. in order to really drive a big fat stake in the ground around their Sabbath practice. You talk about how Sabbath is really complicated today. Why Mm -hmm. so? Well, um, well, you know, it used to be that we had some cultural support. You know, it used to be that Sundays were a day when businesses were closed and it was understood that the whole community was doing things differently on the Sabbath. So we do not have cultural support anymore. And so now it's going to be countercultural if you do it. Um, you're not going to fit into anybody's cultural norms by practicing Sabbath. Um, I think another reason why Sabbath is complicated today, more complicated than it used to be, is the encroachment, the constant encroachment of technology and social media. Mm -hmm. And so now there's this layer of challenge around not just ceasing work, but now ceasing all that gets stirred up by being on and connected and plugged in all the time. And and I, uh, I I think I said in the book that, you know, when I first started practicing Sabbath 20 years ago, the addiction that I was dealing with was my addiction to my work. These days, I, it's pretty easy for me to set aside my work. What's harder is to set aside technology, mm. to actually turn yeah. off the cell phone and put it in a drawer. Um, the, you know, the preparation that it takes to make your plan so that you're not reliant on your technology on the Sabbath. Um, and the temptations now almost knee jerk, you know, to want to check it and how it feels now to be unplugged is really, really challenging. And it just wasn't there. I mean, 20 years ago, there were no cell phones. There were only landlines back then. So it's a really brand new 
and the way we live all of our lives connected to the phone, getting our directions, you know, um, staying connected with our families. It's, it's, it's really challenging to think now about how to be unplugged from technology, which I, I am really convinced that that's essential for a good Sabbath practice is to um, really work towards being unplugged from your technologies on the Sabbath. Mm, agreed. Page 20, early in the book, you say, when we start practicing Sabbath, the first thing we might experience is the discomfort of discovering how addicted we are to human striving and hard work. We might discover that we do not even know who we are when we are not working. Mm-hmm. Talk about the connection between Sabbath and identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, I think many people, more than we realize, have our identities all wrapped up in what we do. And and not to mention just our identities, but also what we trust in, that we only trust in our unceasing efforts and um, tireless providing for ourselves and trusting ourselves to secure what we need in this world. And so um, I think taking a Sabbath is also is always going to challenge us at that level. And even now, I've been practicing Sabbath for 20 years, but you know, I still have trouble sometimes knowing myself apart from my work, you know, and I wander around wondering what to quote do on the Sabbath (laughs) and then have to remind myself, Oh yeah. Sabbath is not about doing. (laughs) And then I have to settle into what I know about Sabbath and trust that the discomfort will pass and that I will find myself again in God in this resting phase. So I think many of us more than we know have our identities wrapped up in what we do. And we have to face that on the Sabbath. I, you know, I am really uncomfortable when I'm not doing something because I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with myself. But then the other thing too, is that Sabbath is going to take us to a place of really wrestling with how much we trust God. Um, And in fact, from the very beginning, the Sabbath confronted the Israelites with the issue of trust. If God tells us to only gather on the sixth day and we don't go out and gather on the seventh, will there be enough? Do we trust what God is saying to us about God's provision? And I find that that is a deep internal dynamic every Sabbath. Am I going to trust that the work that I did in the sixth day, in the six days will be enough and that God will provide even as I am resting, that God will continue to work while I am resting and ceasing. And I want to actually be a little bit more accurate with the word, you know, that the word Shabbat actually means to cease. Um, And, you know, God didn't need to rest, but God still chose to cease. God is not limited like we are. We see so that we can rest. We need that um, as the human beings that God created us to be. So I think Sabbath does bring you face-to-face with issues of trust as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then in a performance-driven culture where everybody else around us is probably working all seven of the days, you know, um, am I going to be seen as doing enough if I'm breaking on the seventh day while other people are continuing to work and get ahead of me? Mm Who? that is really challenging. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love your, the way you describe Sabbath as exhale. And even as I was mm-hmm. reading that, just mm-hmm. like, just yeah. remember to breathe. Tell us more about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Well, it's, it, get, it gets back to the idea of rhythms, doesn't it? Um, so I insisted in this title that it wasn't just about rest, that it was going to be about work and rest. And it was going to be about the rhythm between the two, because work is not better than rest and rest is not better than work. It's the rhythm between the two that is so beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And that's really, really important that we're not trying to denigrate our work by establishing a Sabbath practice. And in fact, I really believe that in in many ways, 
um, work gives meaning to the resting and rest gives meaning to the working, you know, um, particularly in the resting part, we can do what God did in looking at creation and we can savor our work and we can see that it's good and we can, um, you know, find the underlying meaning. We can experience more of the partnership that takes place between us and God in our work. And in that way, stepping back to rest actually gives more meaning to our work because we re-engage it then from a different, from a very different place. Um, and then of course, without any work, then resting could become laziness. It could become purposelessness. Um, it could just be this, you know, like like the river that doesn't have any riverbanks, any banks. It just starts to dissipate because there's no structure to it. And so um, I think the inhale and the exhale is another way of talking about rhythm that um, without any inhale, there can be no exhale, right? Um, and so on the inhale, we take it in and then on the exhale, we let it all go. And so the Sabbath becomes a time where we've worked really hard throughout the week and then we in some deep way, let it go. Um, and and then eventually we inhale again. So um, I don't know, it's just another way of talking about rhythm because the rhythm part is so important. Mm. You say this, Sabbath both slows down time and gives us more of it. Unpack mm -hmm. this crazy mystery for yeah, us. Yeah, I know. I think that was Tiffany Schlein. I think I quoted her um, and that, that was a quote from her. But um, yeah, it, it is a mystery, and thank you for calling attention to it. Um, yeah, somehow when you have disconnected from your work and you've let yourself rest and cease and delight and be dormant, if you will, somehow when you come back into your working life, there's more of you, you know, and you're more effective in the work that you do. Like I, I am amazed at what God can do in me and what can happen in me in just a mere 24 hours and how I come back to my work renewed and able to, to I don't want to say do more, but I bring a different quality of presence. I bring enthusiasm again at the end of the week. Oftentimes I'm so tired. I don't think I can ever face my work again. I'm discouraged. Mm -hmm. I'm desperate. Yep. I yep. don't know if any of it's worth it. <laughs> and then somehow somewhere along the way in that 24 hours of Sabbath, it, it all comes back. You know, the value of mm -hmm. my work, the goodness of my work, what God is wanting to do in and through me in my work, um, what I'm able to give to people. And I come back truly and deeply restored so that um, I can bring more. Um, more and better. Um, but I want to be really careful with that because also, you know, Sabbath is not just to shore us up for what's next. Mm -hmm. Sabbath is also a very good gift in and of itself. Yeah. Like a side benefit mm -hmm. is That's that benefit. somehow I'm more effective. Um, That's right. Of that. yeah. yeah. And I'm not gritting my teeth, yeah. trying really hard to make that true. Uh -huh. I, and instead, I trust that it is true. Mm -hmm. So I'm not focusing on that when I'm on my in my Sabbath. Yeah. In, in in the Sabbath time, I am deeply trusting God that what most needs to be done in my life will be done, even if I don't even know anything about it. Mm, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love when you talk about that, and it truly is a great mystery. But I've seen it to be true in my life. People that I'm mm -hmm. coaching, you've um, experienced it. Yeah. Oh yeah. The end of the week, I wonder if I did anything worthwhile, and, yes, and if I exactly. should just do us all a favor and quit. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then it turns out, like on Monday or in the morning, I'm like, huh. Yeah, maybe we have done a couple things here that matter. Yeah, uh, and it's just right. fatigue, right, that, yeah. that lies to us in the meantime. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, Ruth, what did you learn about God during your sabbatical mm -hmm. that you couldn't have learned any other way other than mm -hmm. ceasing? 
Well, one of the things that happens every single Sabbath is that I actually, it's not a knowledge. It's more that I fall in love with God again. I experience God's goodness to me again. And I get in touch once again with how good God is to me. And I fall in love again. And, and I think, how could you not love a God who would give you this great gift, who would give you something so beautiful? How could you not be in love with a God who would think to give you this? Mm-hmm. Um, that is the biggest thing I must say that happens between me and God. It's not informational knowledge. It's, it's, a, um, it's a relational dynamic that takes place that has to do with love um, and gratitude, you know, gratitude for a God that would think to care for us in this way. Um, one thing that was brought home to me in writing this book anew and in doing some of the biblical theological work on it is also to realize that Sabbath does begin with God and that's that God didn't need rest, but God chose to cease after six days of working. And on the seventh day, God, well, the, the, you know, the, the Hebrews would say God created rest on the seventh day. God created peace and tranquility on the like seventh it's a thing, day. Not we just an absence have. of a thing. That's right. Exactly. And it's there for us to enter into and God created it. I don't have to create it. I can just find ways to enter in. And I think what struck me in that was that choosing to cease and rest on the seventh day every week is a way for me to enter into God's very nature, to participate in God's nature, because God chose this as part of God's essence and being. It exists in God. And so when I enter in, I'm actually participating in the divine nature. And I don't know, there's something about that that I find to be really thrilling. Mm -hmm. And to make Sabbath its own good in and of itself, because I'm entering into the person that God has expressed God's self to be. Mm -hmm. And I just love that idea that when I'm Mm -hmm. Sabbathing, I am participating in God's very nature, in God's very essence. Um, and that's why I think it's really, really important to identify the fact that the Sabbath begins with God. It does not begin with the Israelite people. It mm-hmm. begins with God and what God did out of God's essence. And then when God called the people to himself, God imparted that gift, but it began with God. And we participate with God when we participate in Sabbath. You, you talk about how as leader types, we tend to over-identify with the leader part of us. Mm-hmm. What are the consequences mm-hmm. here? Well, I think as it has to do with Sabbath specifically, it makes it really, really hard for us to let go. (laughs) You know, if we're over-identified with the leader part of ourselves, that's the part that's in control. That's the part that's getting stuff done. That's the part that's being productive. That's the part that everybody's looking up to for their own guidance. We actually get some ego strokes from that. So for the leader, um, if, if we are overly identified with that part of our person, it's really hard to let go of all that in order to rest. Um, and it's hard to allow ourselves to experience the tenderness and the vulnerability and the fragility and the limitations that Sabbath put us in touch with. It's uncomfortable for people who have it all together the rest of the week to feel their vulnerability, their humanity, their creatureliness, if you will. It's very humbling. I, every single week I feel humbled on the Sabbath because I'm in touch with my own human limitations. Um, and my own vulnerability and my own need, you know, to be cared for. That'd be fun. You talk about these little sanctuaries. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a few little sanctuaries of my own, but I thought it'd be fun mm-hmm. for you to talk about, I don't know, three to five little sanctuaries of spaces or places of delight in your life. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you, well, you promise you'll share at least one or two of your own. You start. Okay. Um, I just went to the sunny spot, like I'm a cat. And I just sat mm-hmm. inside this coffee shop and ate avocado mm-hmm. toast because mm-hmm. someone had given me a gift card that I couldn't spend on anything else. Mm-hmm. I just sat in the little corner for, I don't know, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And ate your avocado toast. Oh, just because <laughs> I could. And it was yeah. delightful. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think there's just something about a get-to moment at a coffee shop versus a run-in yeah. quickly. So mm-hmm. a get-to moment in the corner, sunny corner of the coffee shop that's cozy and I don't have to accomplish any work. It's, a, it's just mm-hmm. a get-to. Um, anytime I get above about 10,000 feet, um, mm-hmm. I can't describe yes. it. And so as the air mm-hmm. gets thinner, my heart gets fuller. Um, and often it's like bumping on roads, uh, and Mm -hmm. and off-roading as well, maybe with a buddy. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple of spaces. Going airborne a couple of times. You know, it gets, it gets a little (laughs) wild up there. What about you? (laughs) Well, um, this is not nearly as exotic as what you shared, but, um, I have a great couch. I have a, I have a sacred space office. It's really beautiful that I've made into a space that really fits me. And I have a couch in there that's pretty old by now, but it's just so comfortable and it fits my body really well. And so to lay on that, and the sun will come in that window. And so to lay on the couch in the sun, um, and especially if it's, if it's winter, I'll, I have a blanket that's a favorite blanket and just lay under that on the couch and feeling my body feel so comfortable on the mm-hmm. couch. And, um, are you a napper and as well, Ruth? I, I'm not during the week, but sometimes I can on the Sabbath. It's the only day that it's even possible. My wow. body must know it. Um, wow. yeah, okay. but it's, it's, yeah, the falling asleep might happen, but the, the, the more delicious thing is laying there and feeling how comfortable I feel and mm. how cozy under the blanket <laughs> and then reading books for pleasure versus work. So I, um, I'm an avid reader. Um, but on the Sabbath, I'm pretty careful to try to read only books that are for my own soul's sake, ones that don't relate to my work. So a lot of times that looks like poetry because I just mm. love poetry and <laughs> you know, it's just for the soul. It's just for you, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, um, it's also very delicious to read novels. Mm you know, where you're not reading for any purpose except enjoyment. So that's one thing. That's one thing for sure. Um, I do really love walks. And so we're in the middle of a very beautiful fall here in Chicago. So Mm -hmm. to be able to look outside and see the leaves swirling and say, I can walk, I can go out into that, you know, (laughs) I'm going to go out into that and I'm going to feel the wind myself and I'm going to, you know, be in the middle of all these colors. And Mm. yeah, it's pretty spectacular here right this minute. Beautiful. That was actually one of the COVID gifts back to me was rediscovering walking Mm -hmm. um, at, I don't know, 3.1 miles an hour. Uh, yeah. And I just like, that was such a gift because that was pretty much what I, the only thing we could do for a time. It was, uh, it really and was. I needed it and it burned off anxiety and I just got mm-hmm. to enjoy it. And so that's been a practice. My wife and I, when we're like, kind of like a little bit grumpy or tired after the work day, it's like, yeah. I could probably like keep in and stay grumpy for the night or yeah. I can go out and walk and sort of treat myself to it. And mm-hmm. I'm always glad. So that's a portable space it, yeah. that I would say it for It shifts us. you, doesn't it? Like it going does. out for a walk shifts, yeah, whatever cadence. it is that, yeah. It's really, really good. Like I, I need it for sure. Um, last question here. Somebody is in the balance considering sabbatical or not. Mm-hmm. What would you mm-hmm. tell them? Well, um, first of all, it's certainly in the created order of things that every seven years living things need to go dormant. Um, it's also something that God gave in the Old Testament. So it's got the double whammy there, you know, that God gave it, but it's also part of the agricultural rhythm that land is not meant to produce year in and year out. It's meant to lie fallow 
you know, works six years, lie fallow on the seventh. So I don't know why any of us think we're above that. Some of us do. There's a sort of grandiosity that makes us think we're above it. Um, but it can, it can be found there. But also one of the things that caused me to know that I needed a sabbatical was when Sabbath started not being enough. And, and it was shocking because, um, I was an avid Sabbath keeper and I almost felt like it was a failure to say, okay, I've been keeping Sabbath and really it's not enough, but the Sabbath wasn't touching it anymore. And I was getting to the end of my Sabbath really in a panic and desperate about going back to work and feeling I couldn't face it and that that I just couldn't make it enough. And that was one of the biggest things that let me know I need more. And I'm so grateful that I knew about sabbatical anyway. Um, and that God actually makes this offering to us. And that was the point where I was able to approach our board and say, I know I really need this. You just can't keep coming into Mondays dreading your life and feeling mm-hmm. empty. It's just it's just not working for you then. So um, I, I would watch for that. Um, I think I was also, because I am a spiritual director, I do know how to pay attention to different levels of a person and a being. And I recognize that it wasn't, really physical exhaustion, although there'd probably be some of that, but it was more a mental and emotional exhaustion and um, that I was so tired. I couldn't face anymore. And Mm. I felt also like there was, you know, oftentimes tears just too close to the surface because clearly I was tired, but I also hadn't fully grieved, you know, what the losses of that last season had been. And so um, that was the beautiful thing actually about it coming up so quick is that I didn't have the opportunity to plan big travel and all that. All I could do was stay home and use the resources that I already have around my home to get what I needed in terms of spiritual direction and therapy and a physical, you know, a trainer. Like I just stayed put and took care of what needed to be taken Mm. care of for my sabbatical. And I will probably always have a bit of a bias towards that because, because even wonderful travel can keep you busy versus doing the self-care things that maybe sabbatical needs to be for you. And so, Mm. um, you know, I know that your work is in sabbatical and I, I wonder if you resonate with me in that. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, And I'm just glad you got, you got that gift. And, Mm -hmm. um, Thanks to your board. Thanks mm-hmm. to people who believed in you. Uh, it's never yeah. an individual undertaking. And so, no. yes, I loved the book. Yes, I love mm-hmm. what God taught you. But more than that, I'm mm-hmm. just really glad that you got to experience that. And it's great to mm-hmm. talk to you. Ruth, yeah. thanks for the work that you do with leaders um, all over the world. Thanks for the books that you write. Um, thanks for your work at Transformation Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, continue to do the great work. Thanks so much for coming on. All right. Thank you for such a good conversation. 